Before we get into today's episode of the podcast, I want to tell you about a product I've been using frequently and a product that is used by professional running team Tin Man Elite and teams in the NFL, NBA, and NCAA. The product is called 2 Before and it is made from the incredible benefits of black currants. If you guys are unfamiliar with black currants, they're antioxidant berries that are grown in New Zealand. The two biggest benefits, in my opinion, from consuming them regularly and using this product 2 Before is it increases your endurance as well well as kickstarts your recovery. So during sessions, I feel stronger, my endurance feels improved, but also after the workout, I feel more recovered, less sore, less tired, so that I can hit the next training session harder than I normally would be able to. I absolutely love to before I love this product. Perhaps my favorite study uh, that I've seen shows that using two before consistently can improve athletic performance by 4.6%, which is truly remarkable. And it's made from three simple ingredients, so there's no junk in it. You guys can get 30% off your order today at two before, that is the number two before.com, using my code the running effect 30. Again, that is the running effect 30. Not only does this get you 30% off, but it also gets you free shipping. I've left a link in the show notes to go directly to their website, or you guys can go to twobefore.com. Again, that is the running effect 30 to get 30% off and free shipping today. Hey friends, just a quick note before we hop into today's episode of the podcast. Majority of you guys listening right now have not given us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and it takes legitimately between five and 10 seconds to hit the follow button, hit the five-star review button. So I'd greatly appreciate you guys doing so if you have not done so already. And then something all of you guys can do right now is share today's episode with a friend, a family member, a teammate, someone who you think would find value and benefit from it. I would greatly appreciate you guys doing that, sharing the podcast, sharing today's episode with someone because through that we can expand the show and reach new people and hopefully through that inspire them in the process. Without further ado, let's get into today's conversation. Will Sumner, welcome to the Running Effect podcast. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I've been looking forward to to this one for a while. I was in Austin when you when you made history and it was super exciting to see. And I feel like you were talked about in high school quite a bit. Uh, I mean, what you were doing in high school too was talked about quite a bit. At what point in your career did you feel like you were starting to get more attention and, and people were starting to to know the name more? Early, early senior year high school. So probably like kind of like early indoor, I'd say I was starting to get attention just because I was U.S. number one in the 400 and the 800. But then I broke the 500 national record. And then that's when I feel like really things started going for me. And then it was kind of ever since then that I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm kind of like in, in a permanent spotlight in high school running. Did you like previous to senior year, like not being really well known and kind of like working in the shadows? Or did you enjoy when, you know, your name was started to be talked about more and you were like, oh, you know, here's the respect I've been working for? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't really care necessarily that I wasn't getting much attention before because, I mean, at the end of the day, I was just like, all right, I'm just trying to really get a college scholarship. That's really all I care about. <laughs> and then and then once I had that done, I'm like, OK, like, you know, what's what else is there to do? And then I just kind of wanted to see how good I could get and how fast I could go. And and the attention started coming. And I'm like, well, I guess it's kind of cool that, like, you know, I'll go to a meet and and just random kids will be like, hey, like, I know you like, you know, can I get a picture or something like that? Like, I just I don't know. It, it wasn't something that I was like, necessarily going out to get but once it kind of came you know i i enjoyed it for sure what records do you still hold in high school is it just that 500 one 500 national record uh 600 national record and then i are you just counting nationals or like because i had i had the state record in the 800 for georgia 
And then I had the 400 state record, but it just got broken by CD, this kid uh, who runs in Georgia. He's really good. He's only a sophomore, too. So. Oh, geez. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, those are, I guess, the biggest records I had from high school. And then other than that, it's mostly just like top like 10 or top five all time stuff like that kind of thing so for the records you hold both nationally and then within your home state of georgia where you competed in high school do you follow i mean it sounds like you do based on the fact that you know one of your records got taken but do you follow like the high school scene of like what guys are running um both from a perspective of like being a fan of the sport but also making sure your records are lasting yeah yeah i mean i don't really honestly i don't care too much if my records hold up because i you know records are meant to be broken and obviously they'll, they'll be broken eventually, but, but I do, I just like to see what the kids are doing. Cause I mean, this was only me a year ago and I still know a lot of the, the people in high school, like CD, for instance, the kid who broke my 400 record, he, uh, you know, I, like, I, I kind of became friends with him at Brooks PR and stuff like that. So like, you know, I was anticipating him to break my record and, um, yeah, like other than that though, I feel like I mostly just kind of keep up with like the 800 and 400 scene just because you know those are my events and and you know it's just it's like nice to see like hey look like these guys who i was racing last year like look how well they're doing so speaking of brooks you won that that 400 meter race in 45.90 which was just smoking fast a meat record there but speaking on the experience i was actually at brooks pr for media i think it was like less than two weeks ago uh what was your perspective on the whole experience and was it kind of fun to be flown out to a national meet and kind of not maybe not for the first time, but see where running can take you, and it can take you, uh, I guess, to Seattle, Washington, and you get to go on a cruise and do all that fun stuff. So was that an, an enjoyable experience for you? Yeah, yeah, that was really fun because you know all these people, you know, get flown from across the country, and and I'd see them obviously like, I guess you know on on Instagram or on YouTube or whatever, just seeing their races, but I never really got to like meet them in person for the most part. So. You know, getting to like gather around, especially like people who I, you know, had maybe it's like someone who I've been on a visit with or, you know, like people I've, I've seen earlier in the season. Like we all got to kind of mingle and, and reconnect and stuff like that. And I made a, a bunch of friends at Brooks. So, yeah, I think that was probably really a priceless experience. And then, you know, just all the fun stuff. And like because I feel like Brooks is more of a chill meet. Like, yeah, it's kind of nationals. But at the same time, like. It's like a it's like a party in a sense because like you're you're doing all this fun stuff, not even really thinking about the race. So you know, I think I think that was probably one of the coolest aspects of it, just getting to like, you know, go literally the opposite corner of the country from where I live, and just do do all that with all these new people, and, and then run a race and still do well. That was fun. Now that you're removed from the high school scene, do you miss those days, or are you enjoying? you know, the stage at which you're at in life. I guess you can have both. You can enjoy where you're at and also miss where you were. But uh, I feel like for me, just having graduated from high school, I'm like, oh man, I wish I would have cherished that race sophomore year or freshman year. Like when you're always searching for more, I feel like in those first few years of high school, uh, you don't really take the moment to be like, oh, that wow, that's impressive for my age. Or, oh, I enjoy this experience. I feel like a lot of high schoolers are constantly looking towards the next thing or thinking of college. So do you miss some of those some of those days and do you wish you could go back? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'd i be lying if I said I didn't miss it just because, like, you know, one, there's a little less pressure, I guess, running for, for just high school or whatever. But also it's just kind of like, I guess, a little more fun in high school because you can socialize more and, 
you, you can kind of like do a little bit more on your own almost even though i guess you're younger but you're not like confined to like being with your team because like i would travel for indoor meets or whatever and i kind of just do what i wanted and i'd meet a bunch of people but in college it's a little more strict and like you're not necessarily able to like go do whatever you want and hang out with whoever you want at the meet and stuff like that so you know i think at the same time though there's a lot of things that i'm doing now like with my team especially that i couldn't do in high school and it's a lot more fun that way so you know it's like yeah it's kind of like you know you you lose some aspects of high school but you gain some in, in college and it's like well i mean you know they're just two different entirely different experiences and i guess they're both they're both good and they're both bad in some ways too Speaking on one of the races you shared, uh, that 500 meter, that 500 meter race and record, I'm just curious for you to go through it because how do you like tackle an event like the 500, which I'm surprised to meet even <laughs> holds that in that there's even a record for it because it's just like such an odd distance. Even the 600, I feel like is, is rarely run, definitely ran more indoors. So take me through that 500 meter race and more specifically, how do you break it down when you were planning to attack it? Like what's the the strategy for it? Because you know from from running the 400 like 100 meters makes a big difference in strategy really the way i kind of went into the race was completely different from how i had to execute it so my strategy going in was like i wanted to kind of run it like almost like a 400 prelim and then just add on an extra 100 because like i guess the way i'd run a, a 400 prelims i i tend to go out very controlled and then almost like even split it so i'd run like 47 whatever but I'd like even split it. So my goal was like go out in 48 and kind of run even there. So like split 23 high, 24 low, and then just close. But that ended up not really working out because I ended up going out a little bit faster than that. And then um, I think it was Austin Gallant who was in my race. He, uh, he kind of like started darting in front of me with like 30 meters into the break and he just took pole. So I'm like, all right, well, I, I guess I'm just going to sit and kick. And then I got kind of boxed in. Um, at that point, I was just kind of going with the flow. I'm like, all right, well, I already know we're on a, a hot pace. So I'm just going to sit and kick. And then I kind of waited. And then once the guys in front of me started dying, I'm like, all right, I got to go. Because I saw the clock. It was like 49 at 400. So I'm like, all right, at this point, like, this needs to be literally the fastest sprint of my life if I want to get the national record. So I just turned on the jets. And if you see the race, like, I literally gapped the field by, like, I don't even know, like an insane amount in only a hundred. So I don't know. Like that was probably the, the first time where I've ever like truly just closed like a truck. But yeah, that was not at all how I intended to run the race. Did you train for that last hundred, you know, changing gears or do you think that speed comes naturally or is it a mix of the two? Uh, I think it, it more comes naturally because like, tr like training how to change gears isn't something I necessarily learned or like trained specifically until college but it was just something like i knew i could do because i've done it in races before especially running the 800 like junior year i was literally i'd never you'd never seen me in the front of a race i would always just sit and kick or not always but almost always so um i i knew i could kick and i knew i could kick well it was more just like uh yeah i guess just like kind of channeling whatever like, whatever determination I had to get the national record, that's basically all that last 100 was. 
Speaking on that junior year, you just said like you, it, most of those races were sit and kick. I feel like in, in the high school world today, so many kids are fixated on time and almost kind of taking the diamond league concept of like time trialing every race. And that's what they do to get their mark or, you know, in the mile, it's like, oh, can I break four minutes in the mile and the eight? It's like, oh, you know, the amount of kids that have said they've wanted to, to break Michael Granville's record over the years and they don't like I feel like kids are constantly chasing after time. Do you think from your perspective of having some years where you were just going after the win helped you to where you're at today in the NCAA where it is a lot more competitive? And sure, you're going after time, but a lot of these races, you need to have it down tactically if you want to win and times come with the win. So do you think those years in high school where you were kind of working on those tactics have paid off today? Yeah, I think so, because earlier in my career, I was more just focused on like having fun, not really, like I didn't really take track too seriously until a few years into my career so I'd say like I was just kind of enjoying every race and learning how to race and not really going out there and like trying to run fast per se so yeah I think that kind of experience running you know I think the most important experience was actually like learning how to lose early on and also like you know knowing what it's like to not necessarily be good early on and then kind of taking from there like as I got a little bit better I'd be more competitive I learned tactics I learned you know my race instincts got a little bit better and sharper and then obviously senior year you know I was a little bit better than I guess most people I was racing so I could kind of go out and time trial stuff but I didn't necessarily lose the ability so then by the time I got to college it's like all right I can get in this tactical race and I know what to do so yeah I'd say for sure it definitely helped and I and not just the tactics aspect, but just like the whole aspect, like I said, like learning how to deal with losing and not being the best. Yeah. Can we go deeper into that? Can you elaborate on speaking on early on learning how to lose? What do you exactly mean by that? And kind of can you conceptualize what that meant for you and your journey and what you learned from that? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess really like what I mean is I didn't. So I, I only ran a few years of youth and then I, I took a few years off and I started back up my freshman year. And I was never, like, I didn't win any races freshman year. I mean, the fastest I ran in the 400 was, like, 51. And I only did that once. So, you know, I, I was constantly getting my butt kicked. And and I didn't really necessarily care. Like, I was I was just having fun. Like, obviously, I wanted to win. But, like, I was enjoying the process. Like, I still had goals that I was shooting for. And, and it was fun shooting for those goals. So, I think just learning the process and like understanding that, you know, I was young and I still had a lot of maturing to do physically and, you know, like mentally that it was okay that I wasn't good. I wasn't like, no one knew who I was my freshman year. No one knew who I was my sophomore year. Hardly anyone knew who I was junior year. Um, I mean, I only had like, I'd say like most, most people could pretty much pick where they wanted to go junior year like I didn't I didn't necessarily have that like I didn't have every single school coming and handing me offers so I think like throughout those first three years of you know trying to be better trying to be better but just having fun and developing my abilities and learning how to deal with like okay I'm not the best but what can I do to get there I think that's kind of what set me up for my senior year and really I feel like I've those lessons have stuck with me because now that I'm in college you know, I can be handed a loss and, and I don't, I don't like break down necessarily. You know, I, I know what it's like to lose 
and I just know how to bounce back from it, I guess. Do you think those first three years of high school, as you kind of illustrated there, gave you the chip on your shoulder that was necessary to do the things you did senior year? Yeah, I think so, because I was just hungry after my junior year. I did I did really well. I mean, it, from like a development standpoint, I shot up through the roof compared to my sophomore year. But at the same time, I think there was still a lot that I knew I could do and a lot that I left on the table. So, you know, I'm like, all right, there's nothing to lose. This is my last year of high school. Like, I got to make the most of this. So every race, I just wanted to do whatever I could to run fast. And yeah, I think I, th- I think that's probably the biggest thing was just my mindset going into each race and going into that year specifically, just like really, really changed. And I think that's kind of what set me up the best in terms of like, you know, going after these these records or whatever and going after, you know, these nationals meets. What would be your message to someone listening who is a freshman or sophomore, even in like a developmental stage, they could be older, about, uh, you know, utilizing those losses and utilizing those quote-unquote failures early on to your advantage in your development? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is really just you got to stay patient and you got to just keep having fun because, like I said, it's a process and you have to understand, like, especially in high school and even even in college a little bit people are at at a different point in their development like my freshman year i was like i don't know five ten or five nine like 130 pounds 125 pounds and and i just you know i physically wasn't able to compete with these other people like that's just how it was and i had to accept that and know that like okay but in two or three years I'll, i'll be much bigger much stronger and i'll be able to compete so I just, like I said, I enjoyed the process. I had fun with it. And and I feel like everyone needs to kind of understand where they're at in their development and know that, look, as long as I'm putting in the work, having fun, not getting frustrated, you know, once once it's like really time to go, you know, you'll be there. Because as long as you're putting in the work and enjoying yourself, like the work's going to pay off eventually. It's really just a matter of kind of kind of just being patient about it and and not getting frustrated. Let's run it back in time. Take me back in time to young Will. How did he get started in the sport of running and what were his first impressions of it? Oh, so my first my first year running, I was in third grade. Um, I didn't, so I guess, I guess I'll go a little bit further back though. So track has always kind of been like a part of my life in a way, just because my parents ran in college and they ran professionally. So it was something I always knew that, you know, like, I'm like, oh, this is kind of like a family thing. But they never kind of forced me to run or anything. Like, they, it was completely on me to decide what I wanted to do. So, you know, I did all kinds of sports. And I was always faster than most people. So I'm like, all right, well, one day I decided I wanted to do track. And I was third grade. And it was just, you know, for fun. Nothing like, like, no hard training or anything. Like, I ran maybe like two or three days a week. The little practices, we run like, a few 200s on this little path around the school and and that was that um or around the little baseball field so it was it was fun you know nothing serious and I I really loved it because I was just running hundreds and 200s mostly and I just like sprinting I was scared to run anything longer than really anything longer than 100 I was scared of so um but yeah it was it was a lot of fun and and I think although like I didn't necessarily be like oh you know i want to do this when i'm older it was like you know it was just something i enjoyed and and so when i kind of like moved away from track for a few years at the end of my middle school years um 
it was still kind of something I had in the back of my mind. Like, hey, I, when I get to high school, I, I think I'm probably going to do track again. At what point in your quote-unquote career did it go from merely something you were participating in to something that you were like, oh, I can be really good at this, and I'm going to start to devote time and energy to see how far I can go in the sport? End of freshman year or maybe like sophomore year because end of freshman year, my goal, I wanted to make um, the freshman division for New Balance Nationals outdoor in the 400. So I had around, I think, 51.9 was the qualifier, and I ended up going 51.1 uh, at, at regionals. So that qualified me for nationals, and and I'm like, you know, I'm just this little kid, and and I go to nationals for the freshman division. I ran there. I thought it was fun, but um, yeah, I'm like, okay, like, shoot, like I kind of like this. And then sophomore year, that's kind of when. Hold on, there's like a really loud car. I don't know if you can hear that out there. But there's a really loud car. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. So sophomore year, I'm this is when my parents started kind of taking care of my training instead of just like letting me do whatever was going on at my school. Cause they're like, all right, like you can be good. We can, you know, I wanted to like per- keep going further. So, you know, they, they took it upon themselves to train me and um, sophomore year, you know, I started, I started getting better. I, I ran 50 point indoors was ready to break 50 outdoors. And then I broke one, I broke two in the 800 which was a big improvement for me. And then COVID happened. So, um, yeah, I'd say, like, it was kind of when COVID happened where I started training with a new spring coach, and I'm like, dang, like, like I can be I can be really good because um, he ended up bringing my 200 down to 22-1, which, I mean, that's nothing crazy. But at the time, like, for me, that was huge. Like, I dropped well over a second just a matter of, like, a few months. Um of like learning how to really sprint for real. So I think that was the biggest thing, but I feel like all of those events kind of like led to that because that's kind of what set me up for my junior year, which is what, where I really broke out. You mentioned your both of your parents running in college and then professionally, and you also, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, you have an older sister who currently competes for Clemson in track and field. What's it been like growing up in a household where, you know, it's track, 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 and what have these individuals meant to you in your progression? Uh, we'll get into NCAAs in a little bit, but like even winning NCAAs, what's that like for your family and, and seeing how much they've made an impact on you and kind of paved the way for you? Yeah, I think, well, the biggest thing, like I said, my parents never funneled me into track. It was always just something they wanted me to do if I wanted to do it. So that I appreciate. And that's probably the biggest thing is that that's kept, that's kept it fun for me and enjoyable. And my parents have also just, they've been kind of like guiding hands throughout my whole career to to keep me not only, I guess, like to coach me and train me, but to keep me grounded and like understand, like, look, you know, I was good for a high schooler, but that didn't mean that I could get complacent or anything. And, and even now being good in college, you know, there's still, there's still room to grow and stuff like that. So, you know, my parents have always been there to keep me and, you know, keep perspective, I guess. And as well as my sister, I think my sister is a really big influence just because she was, you know, she's three years older. So she ran high school while I was in middle school. So I got to kind of watch that. And then she was a senior when I was a freshman. So I, I could see all of her success and where it got her. And that's kind of what I guess motivated me the most to see what I could do, especially like at the end of my freshman year, I 
like I said, that's kind of when I realized I wanted to take it further. I could see her, you know, going off to college the next year. I'm like, dang, like that could be me. Like I can, I can get school paid for if I'm good at this. So I wanted to be good at it. And, and yeah, and then I guess to answer the last part of your question, I think, I think, you know, my parents just seeing me succeed, especially at the NCAA level, I think that's big for them just because, you know, obviously they've been through the same thing and neither of my parents ever quite won a championship. I think they both got pretty close, but they never won. So I think for them to see me win is, I think it means a lot to them. And, you know, I saw them after the race, like right after the race. And they just, I mean, that's like probably the proudest I've ever seen them look. So I just, I don't know. I think, I think they have a lot of pride in, in me and my sister for, you know, running in college and, and doing well. Is there a part of your story or journey that you feel like most people skip over or don't know that you wish more people knew about? Kind of like the COVID part. So I guess because like sophomore year was really where I feel like that was like the pivoting point for me. And I started, so that's when I started training with a sprint coach, um, Coach D. He, he coached me at Life University. Um, he runs this like club out of there and and he's like kind of the biggest I guess the biggest impact on my career he's like I said earlier he's kind of the one who taught me how to really sprint how to be aggressive because I was almost like too scared to get out in any race like even at 200 like I wouldn't get out (laughs) so um so yeah I think I think he had the most impact on me and I think that part of my career if if I never went through that I don't think I would be anywhere near as good as I am now just because that impacted my development so much in a positive way. It really made me like, it turned me from like just an 800 guy or like, like a, like a very average to like below average 800 guys to this like person who can run the two and the four very effectively and then translate that into the 800 as well. So I think, I think that's probably the most underrated or like lesser known part of my career if we were to do a podcast a year ago from today and i was to tell you hey you're gonna win ncaa's and run 144 would you have believed me yeah yeah i totally would really okay i think i because I, I i tend to look like towards the end of my season i like kind of picture myself a year in the future and like where do i want to be and then set my goals off that so i think it made sense from a developmental standpoint that i would probably be one of the top guys in the NCAA so I think yeah I totally would believe you if you're open to answering where do you picture yourself a year from now I mean I hope to be in Paris but or I guess that's a little over a year from now close enough hope to be on the road to Paris I love it so going into Georgia you come in with these big hopes these big ambitions how do you translate it into the fall and more specifically I'm curious about it from a training perspective because most of my guests are distance runners, so like it's cross country training, right? It's cross country racing. Uh, I'm curious how that was like for you. What does your training look like in the fall? Not just um, physically, but also mentally. You know this being in such a long season, like it takes a toll on you mentally, and you have to kind of work on that aspect. In the fall, it's more easy going, and and you're going into college. You're a freshman, so take me through that time period for you. Basically, my fall training was very different than anyone else's on the team. So I. I split back and forth between the sprint group and the distance group. So fall training for the sprinters, we do like morning hills 
at 6 a.m. We'll sprint up 90 meters, three minutes rest. We'll do, we start at, uh, I think we started at three hills. We worked up to 18. Um, I actually only did 12 at the most because I, I was a little bit injured. So I, I kept the volume a little low, but yeah, imagine 18 hills at, at like 5 a.m. <laughs> um, Rocky type beat right there. Yeah. So, so that, that was part of it. Um, and then I go with the cross country guys. I do their tempo stuff with them. I wouldn't hit nearly as much volume. I think the most volume I ever hit anywhere, like from 5k to like five and a half K, I think like, I don't know, a little over three miles top. So, um, I think, I think those are probably the two biggest aspects. And then a lot of like bounds, jumps, um, stuff like that to kind of build my, uh, my power and, and a lot of heavy lifting in the weight room. I think those are probably the biggest things for me. And all of those were things I didn't really have much experience with before. So, oh, and also like just running in general, like building a base, a lot more volume that I was used to. Um, I think I built my mileage up to 18 by the time it indoor started, which I know that doesn't seem like a lot to you. You're probably like laughing at me, but 18 miles is a lot for me. So yeah, I think, I think those are probably all the biggest things um, in fall training, you know, just keeping consistent work, really not, not slacking off, obviously keeping, keeping my sight on, on, you know, now like NCAAs and USAs, even though I was like, what eight or nine months away from that so yeah those are really the main things that that i was kind of focused on in the fall when i ask this question i mean training as a whole whether it's the weight room or specific track sessions what is your favorite part of training like what's the thing when coach says we're gonna do this or do this exercise you're like okay let's go i'm excited for this and what aspect of training are you like ah you know this is this is gonna suck i don't know i like any workout like any heavy lactic workouts like 300s or whatever 800 pace stuff like that or like any of the 400 workouts where we're running like um for instance we do like three by 200 with short rest stuff like that and like pretty much like 22 23 pace so stuff like that i really like even though it hurts a lot i think that's what makes me feel good and prepared um stuff i don't like i would say Honestly, this is hard because I like everything. I okay from not liking it. I'd say only the hills because just because of how early they are. I actually do like the hills, and I'm like one of the few people who likes hills. But they're really fun for me. I just don't like waking up at like five a.m. to do them. So, <laughs> can you take me through your indoor season, your first collegiate season? Take me through your indoor season, some of the different races and moments that that you look back to and remember the most. Good one is is. Um, the 600 indoors at Albuquerque. So that was my second meet of the season. And I'm like, I'm racing Jonathan Jones and, and Yusuf Bizamana, these guys. And I'm like, all right, Jonathan Jones, he's, he's probably going for the national record or something like that. So um, coach just told me to tuck in behind him and then outkick him. And that's what I did. Ran 115.3, which was a little bit faster than I ran in high school for the national record. So to get a PR, uh, over a time that like because from like a number standpoint my 600 pr was actually like far and away my best performance ever so like if i had eclipsed that then i knew i was i was some doing something well so that was probably where i'm like okay 
I'm, I'm in a good spot. I'm in a good spot. And then fast forward to SEC indoor, and I ended up winning SECs. So that was like, those were both two tactical races, just kind of like getting pushed around and stuff like that. And didn't really like that aspect of it, but I got the win and it was fun. So, um, yeah, I think that was good. And then traveling to indoor nationals, I ran a good race in the prelims, although I did get pushed like three times. So I had to come back from really far back in the indoor nationals prelims. Um, and then the finals did not go well, but, um, I ran the four by four there too. And I split 44 seven. So that was like, dang, like when I split 44 seven indoors, I'm like, shoot, like what can I run outdoors? Um, so that, yeah, that was, those are the biggest moments for me indoors. I'd say it was, it was a solid season. It didn't end how I wanted it to, but I mean, there were definitely a lot of positives, a lot, a lot to take away from it. Outdoors, take me through outdoors and, and the biggest races and moments that, that happened within it specifically, you know, championship season and NCAAs, everything that ends up going down. I started, I opened up with an eight. That race sucked. <laughs> Ran three, four hundreds. They were all pretty slow. Um, Cause we were really just training through every, every meet. We were just training through. I never felt remotely fresh going to any race. And then we get to SECs and this is where we start, you know, we're, we're ready to go. We're rolling. We've put all that work in. Um, SEC prelims. I just go out front run that. That was probably like the turning point for me. Cause before that I was kind of, kind of not really enjoying racing nor was i like confident at all like i had zero confidence and i was not having fun at all and then icc prelims happened flip the switch go into the final i win that pr so i finally finally broke my 800 pr uh because i'm i'm like wait why am i not pring i'm literally training so much harder doing so much more than i was in high school i can't pr and then there it happens so you know, that me really boosted my confidence. Um, and then I guess regionals, that was just kind of regionals. It was windy and the weather sucked. And I just ran two 149s, got through. Um, and then we take it to outdoor. So the prelims for NCAA outdoor. This is where, oh, wait, let me backtrack. Sorry. I totally skipped Texas relays. That was the one, like, fun meet early on. Texas relays, uh, we ran the 4 by 4 we went number two all time collegiate at the time and I split 44, eight there. So I knew my speed was still there and that was just really fun doing that with the boys. I just forgot about that meet. Cause like there was no individual events. So I forget about it, but yeah, that was, that was really fun. But anyways, go back to NCAA. So, um, 800 prelims. That was fun. I, took the race over like 400 meters in and I ended up PRing in the prelims, which is completely an accident. Although I did expect that I would have to PR to make the, the finals. I just, that ended up not being the case, but I didn't want to like slow down or anything just in case. Cause I didn't know where everyone was and I didn't really look at the board, which I should have, but it didn't matter in hindsight. Um, finals, man, that four there, that 800, in the finals, that was crazy. So, like I said, um, going from the prelims, you know, that gave me a lot of confidence, PRing and feeling really easy. So, I'm like going to the finals, like, all right, let's just take this, let's just go. 
And the first lap was kind of slow, but went with the huge negative split. And I think that was, I mean, it has to be the race of the year for me so far. That was the most fun moment, the most just like, man, because from where I was at like two months before to where I got in, I just, I felt like I'd achieved something, like overcome something. And yeah, it was just probably the coolest moment ever for me. Being in the stands for every single race in Austin, I feel like your race was, was, uh, I mean, sure, you have the, the 100s where people go crazy, but, like, I feel like from – your race lasted more than 10 seconds, right? The 100s, yeah. people get hyped for 10 seconds, and then they stop talking. Your race, man, people were like, whoa, was this split 53, 51? No way. <laughs> and it was just – I'll never forget that moment of being in the stands and hearing all the chitter-chatter from, like, different groups of people who were all around just losing their mind from it. So it was so cool to, to be in the stands and witness. What did that mean to you when you crossed the finish line, look up at the board, see the time, realize you're the national champ, specifically after how indoor had gone? Not that it was a bad season, but you, you didn't, as you said, you didn't end your season how you wanted to. So to kind of have all that work pay off in outdoors, what did that mean to you? Indoor definitely left me hungry and left me feeling like I didn't do enough. So to to come to outdoors and deliver the way that I did, you know, from the front, like, you know, not relying on anybody, just doing it, going out there and doing it. And especially in the way I did, like, negative splitting by that much, I think kind of proved to me, like, what I'm capable of and kind of, I guess, like, that I belong. And as well as, like, you know, just that I could overcome all the mental challenges that I was kind of going through early uh, outdoor and, and late indoor. So, yeah, I think that was just kind of like the moment where I really kind of crossed the finish line of that battle of like against myself, really. And obviously, like, you know, it's not like, oh, you know, you do it once, so, you know, you're good. Like, obviously, there's still work to do in terms of like mentally and stuff like that and physically, but. I think that was where I like, that was like a big turning point for me. We got USA's coming up next week. By the time this episode comes out, we'll probably be in the midst of USA's or maybe I'll have uh, already been over. Take me through your thoughts going into the, the national meet. And if I'm not mistaken, this is your first national meet. So, so what are the feelings going into it? Yeah, really just, I mean, just want to go out there and keep doing what I've been doing. You know, nothing needs to change, obviously. And I'm coming in with the fastest time, so... Although I guess I haven't really replicated that. I think it still kind of makes me at least among the favorites. So, you know, I just need to go in there with the mindset that, you know, it's it's not going to be easy. Like, I got to go in there. You know, I got to run hard every round and and really just, you know, keep doing what I've been doing, like I said. When you look at the U.S. events from top to bottom, the 10K, the 5K, they're absolutely stacked. The Bowerman Track Club, the OAC, like they've got so many guys and it's like for any up and coming guy, it's like they're seconds behind. In the 15, you know, Yard and Goose is representing the U.S. on the world stage. There are some open spots, but it's like a really hard event to make it. And then when you get into the sprints, it's like all the guys, you know, the 100, 200 is crazy. I feel like the 800 in the U.S. the past few years is the only event that's just kind of been like a wide open conversation of like there are really good guys in the U.S., but it's just kind of like a who's good for three days, you know, like who can do it on yeah. the day. Can you maybe yeah. speak to that that aspect of the event where it's just like 
you know, whoever wants it the most is going to get it because it's kind of up for the taking almost. Not that there aren't going to be guys who are veterans coming in or guys who have done remarkable performances like you did at NCAAs. But you know what I mean when I say like, it's just kind of like there's so many guys that it's, it's like so hard to predict, you know, who's going to be on. Yeah, yeah. I think it's definitely, you know, there's not like that, you know, surefire favorite. Like there's no Donovan this year. Um, and, and I think, because of that we're all like right around 143 144 range in terms of our fitness and it kind of just makes it like yeah really whoever wants it more on that day whoever whoever i guess just gives the best performance that day will take it and and i think that's good kind of from an entertainment standpoint because you know you don't just go in knowing who's going to win but i also at the same time it would be nice if we had like you know a really top guy who could go on there and like you know drop an insane time but you know i mean who knows maybe there is someone there this year that's just kind of like waiting in the shadows so it'll be interesting to see how we do one final question for you one final serious question for you what do you want the final take-home message to be for our listeners and audience today kind of like we talked about earlier you know for everyone out there who's you know just doing track whatever you know i i think the biggest thing for you guys is just to have fun and and you know, not take things too seriously, but still work hard and 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 keep striving towards your goals. Because I I think that's really the the best way for improvement is when you're just enjoying yourself and having fun and stuff like that. And, and you know, just enjoying it. Because you know, track is not it's not forever. You know, there's there's gonna be the time that comes when when I'll have to hang up my spikes and same for everyone else. So, you know, I think enjoying it while you can and and not making it like this chore, this job is really is really going to go a long ways. Well, the final question I ask every single guest on the podcast, the question is, if you had Gordon Ramsay coming over for dinner, what would you choose to make for him? I have to go with pizza. Also got a plug at Wilfredo's Pizza on Instagram. Oh, really? You have a you have a Finsta account, a food Instagram account? Yeah, you know, it's 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 kind of coming out of the shadows now, but yeah. Let's go. Listeners, go blow that thing up. <laughs> Get him a few hundred few more hundred followers that's awesome okay what's the what's the go-to pizza then i just make margarita you know gotta keep it simple but you know i'm gonna expand eventually but i don't have a kitchen where i live so i can't really make pizza too much now unfortunately well will it's been an absolute pleasure uh talking to you hearing your story and can't wait to see you crush it at usa's and beyond so appreciate you doing this and cheering you on along the way yeah thank you for having me man. i appreciate it Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of The Running Effect with Dominic Schleter. I don't take your time for granted, and I hope that today's episode impacted you and left you walking away inspired and all the more motivated to chase after your biggest goals and walking away a better version of yourself. Make sure you're following the podcast, have given us a five-star review, and consider sharing with a friend. Through that, we can reach new people and hopefully inspire them in the process. Also, make sure you're following us on social media at The Running Effect to stay up to date on all the exciting projects and all the new episodes coming out. Generally, we release two to three episodes per week, so stay tuned for all of those coming your way shortly. I hope you're running and life is going well. Guys, keep chasing mastery, and I will catch you in next episode.